Um, prayer. We're going to be continuing uh, the series that Pastor Brian's been doing, which is in 1 Timothy. We're going to be reading chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, so if you want to go ahead and uh, find your place there. I just want to say something real quick. Uh, you know, it's always an honor to get a chance to, to study God's word, to prepare it for all of you, and then to get up here and hopefully speak in a way that's clear and uh, that can be received. <laughs> I'm sure I've said this before, but uh, if you made me get up here and speak, speak on something that's completely foreign to me, I, uh, I honestly don't think I could do it. I'd be a, a nervous wreck. Thankfully, I don't have to do that. Uh, we have truth, so it makes it very easy to get up here and, and speak. Easier, I should say. It, it, it does help to know that it's God's very word. That being said, I'm going to lie to you one time today. That's quite a thing to get up here and say, I know. But uh, if you're paying attention at all, you'll catch the lie, so don't worry about it. So our, our passage is uh, chapter 2, 1 through 8. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle, I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of Gentiles in faith and verity. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Father God, please, please bless today's message. Um, like I said, it's an honor to get to work and study and, and prepare for you, Father God, but that means nothing compared to what you can do. So please, please give me the gift of, of speaking and teaching today. Father God, just prepare our hearts, open our minds, our ears, so that we can receive your message. Father God, we just want to share a victory today. And these things I ask in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so in Paul's letter to Timothy, he covers uh, prayer as one of the topics. He goes into great detail when it comes to the matter of prayer. He tells him the types of prayer, who to pray for, and when and where to pray. He even thinks it's important to tell him who to pray to. Now, there's really a lot just in uh, these eight verses, and I think it's very important that we really dive into uh, what he had to say on the matter. You see, prayer seems to be one of those things that, is, as a Christian, we, we know is a very basic concept, yet it seems many of us never really come to understand its full potential. And uh, I think there's a few reasons why that happens, I believe. First of all, you have to deal with life. And if you're anything like how I was, um, you are full of excuses. And you try to use life and your schedule to say, you know, you're just, you're just too busy to pray. As we'll learn on later, uh, this whole lie of being busy, um, it couldn't be further from the truth. <clears throat> then you have the enemy. Now think about this. If we as God's children have direct access to him, you can bet that the enemy is going to try his best to keep that from happening. Uh, personally, for a long time, I know, for me, it was the guilt that kept me from approaching our Father. Uh, scripture tells us enemy, the, our enemy is the accuser. And trust me when I say he has your track record, and he's going to be ruthless when it comes to throwing it back in your face. Actually, what Scripture tells us is he's the accuser of the brethren. Uh, it doesn't say he's the accuser of our Father. 
you understand that? Um, so you won't see the enemy trying to accuse the father. Now, when I read that, I couldn't help but fantasize what that might look like. Um, you see, if the enemy ever got in his mind that he could try to accuse the father, he might try something like, um, God, you, you don't even know what it's like down here. You sit so high up there, you don't know what it's like to face these struggles down here, where it really matters. Well, of course, you might know how that would go. God could say, yes, I do, Satan, for I sent my own son, my own flesh and blood, right into your territory. You threw everything you could at him, and you still couldn't beat him. You had no hold over him. Your temptations did not work. Then you had him killed, thinking that's where you'd find victory. As his father, I, I watched as you had him mocked, blamed, brutally beaten, and crucified. Death had its chains around my son for three days until he rose. <clears throat> uh, death had, had, had its grip on him, and it still could not beat him. You see, he had the keys to death. Not that he needed the keys for these chains. What, what am I saying? Did he break these chains? No, he simply brushed them off his shoulder and walked out of that tomb. So that wouldn't go for, very good for the enemy if, if he tried to accuse our father at all. So you won't see that happening, but he will not back off when it comes to accusing us. <clears throat> Another thing I, I think that keeps us from prayer is, is ourself. Whether it's our own ego or, or self-doubt, we can get in the way of our own prayer. Maybe you worry that your prayer isn't even worth saying because it's uh, so small or, or un unimportant. Now listen to this in 1 John chapter 5. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. So don't spend one more second worrying about if your prayers are worth listening to. Our Father hears us. Amen. Now, just because we can pray about anything doesn't mean we should be flipping about it. Uh, you see, prayer is not something that should be taken lightly. Prayer is between the individual and God. You see, in prayer, every single one of us gets the, uh, the honor and the privilege of approaching his, his throne and to, to speak to him. Not only that, but our king listens to us. We must always keep in mind the privilege this is and, and the respect that's involved. Um, how many of you have ever been pulled over by a cop? I was going to say, I see some hands here. You found yourself very quickly to be well-spoken, didn't you? All of a sudden. And you probably didn't ramble on like some sort of buffoon. Where I'm going with this is, uh, and I always like this verse in, in Matthew 6, 7, but when we pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Don't try to impress God with your prayer. Don't try to impress people. That's not what it's about. Um, not big fancy words or going on and on and on. You can pray how you like, yes, but be respectful and simple. He knows what's in your heart anyways. Okay. So let's get back to our text. <clears throat> Chapter 2, 1 through 8. The first verse we read, Paul tells Timothy the types of prayer. Uh, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving thanks be made for all men. The first type of prayer we have is supplications. What is a supplication? It's the action of asking or begging for something humbly for yourself. Humbling ourselves in prayer means we are open to God's will. Uh, whether this is what we actually want or not. Now, I know this can be difficult because um, we're selfish creatures, and sometimes it's sure easy for us to just pray for what we want, and we want it now. But we need to keep in mind, above all that, God's will. 
So what does that look like? How do, you, how do you ask for something you desperately want when you would rather have God's will take place? Um, I think we see a, a very good example of this in Matthew 26. This is where Jesus is in the, the Garden of Gethsemane, and Scripture tells us he was very emotional. And in his own words, he, his soul was sorrowful. Jesus knows what hap- has to take place the next day, and he's praying for it to not have to happen. But listen how he prays this. And he went a little further and fell on his face, his face and prayed, saying, O oh, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Now, G- Jesus is deeply praying for this, for this to pass, for him to not have to go through with it. But above that, he prays for the Father's will to be done. So don't be afraid to pray for, for what you want and, and, and to ask for what you need. Uh, for whatever's on your heart, but please consider our Father's will above all of that. The next type of prayer he mentions is intercessions. What are these? These are just like supplications, except um, they're on the behalf of others. Uh, If we look at uh, Philippians 2, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. We need to stop putting our needs above everyone else's. Now, this, of course, applies in prayer. I'm not saying don't pray for yourself. Uh, The first type we just went over was for yourself. You should be be asking for the things you need. But we need to hold others' needs above our own. It's kind of cool. By doing this, I think we create a a support group of prayer, which is uh, pretty powerful. And um, on top of that, uh, when preparing this, I found uh, this verse. This blew my mind. Not only do our brothers and sisters get to pray for each other or for, for our, on our behalf, the Holy Spirit prays for you. Romans 8 tells us, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Is that not amazing that we have... The Holy Spirit that knows our weaknesses, it knows what we should be praying for, and it will pray for us on our behalf. I think that's, that's so powerful. Um, it's just, it's, it's just, it just amazes me when you study this. It's, it's almost never-ending, the good news you keep finding out. So not only that do we get to pray for each other, but we have the Holy Spirit praying for us. The last type of prayer he mentions is giving thanks. Uh, we're told in Ephesians, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. My advice for this one is, is if you find yourself not being thankful or you think, um, you know, I don't, I just, what do I pray for? I don't, I, don't, I don't have anything to be thankful for necessarily. Well, just start with the small stuff, a- anything. Thank, thank you for today. Thank you for my legs, my health, my body, my, the breath in my lungs. Just anything you have, be thankful and keep it going, and, and I think you'll quickly realize um, there is so much to be thankful for. Paul then follows up the types of prayer with who this is for. At the end of uh, the first verse, he states, this be made for all men. Well, I think that's pretty clear uh, that who, who that's for. All people should pray this way, and we should pray this way for all people. But if you'll notice in verse 2, he makes a specific point on who else to pray for Uh, Verse 2 says, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life, 
in godliness and honesty. Paul tells Timothy we need to pray for those in uh, those of authority, those that are in the leadership role. This makes sense when you remember that we are we're all human and we can all fall, so we definitely need to be praying for those that are in that leadership role. I'll tell you what um, what I tell our youth group when it comes to that. Sometimes you think, uh, well, I'm no leader because we we tend to uh, blow it out of proportion. We think, well, if you have to be a leader, that means you have to be a leader of of some nation or an army. And that's, that's not what I'm talking about at all. You can um, be a leader just by simply starting at home. That's my advice as, as to where to start because that's something you, you deal with every day. Um, and quite frankly, those are the roles we need to pray for. And I say that because we need people to fill those roles. Uh, more specifically, I'm talking about men. Did you know that right now they call this generation the fatherless generation? This generation has the most homes without fathers than any other. And um, scripture tells us that God made man the head of the household. Uh, Ephesians 5, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. So I couldn't help but ask, what are the side effects of this role not being filled? Um, It doesn't take you long to find these statistics. Uh, 63% of youth suicides are from a fatherless home. 71% of high school dropouts, a fatherless home. 85% of youth in prison come from a fatherless home. 75% of patients checked into a uh, rehab center come from a fatherless home. Daughters in a fatherless home are 164% more likely to have a premarital birth and are 92% more likely to get divorced. And the list goes on and on and on. That was just a few I wanted to mention. So what am I saying I'm saying step up, men. God made a role for you, and he ordained it. We can't sit around wondering uh, what to do, why the world got so bad, when we can start in our very own backyard and get to work. You were designed specifically for something, and we need to start filling that role. We don't need to redefine the role or or relearn it. Uh, Scripture already tells us what to do. And believe this, if it's in Scripture, if God gave us a truth, the world or the enemy has a counterfeit to offer you. Right now, you can uh, take the, uh, the idea of gender roles. That's, that's being tossed around almost as if it's not a thing. Um, but I disagree with that strongly. We, we have a role, and our creator gave it to us. Look at Genesis. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female he created them. Don't ever listen to that garbage the world has to offer you when it comes to who you are. Because you're not a dog, and you didn't come from a monkey. You're not some low-down, dirty rat. You are a man. Made in the image of God, and there's honor in that. You have validity. You have worth. Don't ever forget that. Now, (laughs) ladies, don't... uh, don't be offended if I didn't lift you up today. I, I just, that was on my heart that I wanted to lift the men up just for a second. If I ever get up here and I have something to say about the women, believe me, I have a lot. Women don't uh, get enough thanks. So guys, be sure to tell the women in your, your life how much you appreciate them. They have to do all the things a woman, they have to do all the things a woman does, plus they have to put up with us. So my hat's off to you ladies. Because uh, men can be kind of a stubborn creature. So... No amen there? Okay. So uh, if we look back at uh, 
verse 2, Paul ends it by saying, this is so that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life. We need to pray for our leaders, not only for them, but it also benefits us. You see, I never understood the negative attitude people have towards some of their leaders, towards some of the leaders that they uh, dislike. It's almost like when they uh, disagree with a leader, they say, well, I hope he messes up just so I can say, I, I told you so. And that, that mentality never makes, made sense to me because that's like being on a cruise ship and saying, yeah, I hope the captain messes up. If the ship goes down, you go down. That never made sense to me. So I agree with Paul. Let's pray for our leaders, even if we disagree with them on something. They need our prayer. If you want that ship to get to its destination, then you want that captain to succeed. Continuing on in uh, verse 3 and 4, for this is uh, good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. He's saying all the types of prayer that we went over and, uh, and who we should be praying for, that pleases God, and that's good to know. But then he goes on to describe who our God is for just a couple verses. Paul says he is the God who will save anyone uh, to come unto the knowledge of the truth. If you, uh, if you ever needed some advice on what to pray for, start right there. Pray for all to come to the knowledge of Christ. In the book of Philippians, uh, and I've always loved this, Paul said he considered all things but garbage when it comes to the knowledge of Christ. There's nothing, nothing more important than com coming to know Christ. Um, just a quick little story. So hopefully all of you by now know that uh, we had a little girl. And uh, I guess I did the father thing where I'm, I'm holding her and I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, gosh, you know, little Ada, what, what, what do I want for her? Do I want her to be successful? Do I want her to have some good job, uh, go to the best schools? You know, just, just the typical, I guess, parent wishes. And I got to be honest, when I thought of all that, none of it made me happy, I should say. I mean, yeah, it's all good. But then I started thinking, man, what, what would make me happy for her? And I got to agree with what Paul said. Uh, man, nothing else is as important as coming to know Christ. And then I started to think, man, if she ever came home and told mommy and daddy I accepted Jesus Christ, that would just thrill me like nothing else in the world. So I've decided my only goal right now is to get Jesus Christ into that tiny little heart. Yeah, the other things are good. I'm not saying that. But they are also garbage when it's compared to, to uh, the knowledge of Christ. Reading on with Paul, it, uh, he's still describing our Savior. Uh, verse 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. I'm so surprised at the preaching that's going on uh, nowadays when it comes to that. When you press people about that, when you say, is Jesus Christ the one and only way, I'm so surprised that you get Christians, um, and I've seen some preachers say, well, you know, Jesus was the one and only way for me. Well, uh, who am I to say he's, he's the one and only way? Um, that's, qu quite frankly, that's scary, because uh, they are confusing people into believing that nonsense. And this falls back to what I was saying earlier about needing people to step up into that leading the leadership role. I'm telling you right now, clear as day, there is only one and only one way to the God, the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ. No other way. If you have Christ, you now have a direct line to the Father. 
when it comes to prayer, since, since that's our topic today, um, you don't need to go to a priest for this. There's only one mediator, and that's Jesus. Again, this is why we pray for our leaders. Um, now, I can't fault a man. I can't judge a man if power goes to his head. If we have someone in a leadership role and power goes to his head, I can't fault him for that. I, I, I haven't been there. But again, that's why we need to pray for him, because sometimes a man's head can get real puffed up, and he can begin to think he's uh, pretty important. And then he'll start to think maybe you need to come directly to him to pray or to confess. He is so wrong, and he needs prayed for. You don't go through anybody but the Son. Next, uh, Paul describes what Jesus did in verse 6. Uh, Timothy 2, 6, who gave himself a ransom for the elect to be testified. I lied, didn't I? I hope you caught it. What does it say? He gave himself a ransom for all those that clean up their life. Is that it? No, no, no. What, what does the text say? He gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. He was a ransom for all. Every single one of us. Not only that, but we need to testify or um, witnesses. This verse really got a hold of me because I... I couldn't help but just think of how lost we can be. Now, I'm not saying we can lose our salvation. That's not what I'm saying at all. I don't believe that, and I don't buy that one bit. But you see, a ransom means to uh, pay a price for a prisoner. That's what it means, to, uh, to give a price for someone who was captured and to have them released. That's what a ransom is. And Christ paid that in full, and there's a, a strict no-return policy. So no, I'm not saying we can lose our salvation, but think about this. Can we lose, or not we, can, can God lose a witness? I want you to think about that. Here's my point. A lot of us say we are in Christ, yet we go out and live just like the unsaved. A lot of us say we are in, in uh, Christ, yet we go out and we speak just like the unsaved. A lot of us say we're in Christ, and yet we look at filth on the internet. A lot of us say we're in Christ, yet we don't utter one word about our faith outside these church doors. We're called to be a witness. And you know, with such an amazing thing that Christ has done for us, man, we can, we can be pretty nonchalant about, about things. So don't do that. Don't, don't let uh, God lose a witness. Um, I like that Paul... And the next verse kind of tells you how to do it. Uh, verse 7, Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. He said he just speaks the truth in Christ. Being a teacher to those unsaved. They need that. They need that, that witnessing. They need to see what it looks like to live in Christ, to be in Christ. They need that example. And he says he never, he never lies about it. He's just simply telling the truth. We need to be a witness. Um, if you go to court and they call you up as a witness, you go to the witness stand, what does that mean? What's your job? All you're supposed to do is get up and tell exactly what you've seen. Not what you think you know, not what you heard, what you've seen. And if I could put it as basic as I, as I can, that's what we're looking for here. Be a witness. You don't, you don't have to have 50 years of studying the Bible. You, you don't have to go to some college or degree. You can just tell people what you've seen in your life. That's all you have to do. Be a witness. 
Paul then concludes the topic of prayer by saying, um, in uh, verse 8, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. I love that. Feel free to just pray everywhere, anywhere you want, whenever you want. If it's on your heart, pray for it. There's no need for a, a temple. You don't have to go to a specific location to do that. You don't have to go to a specific person to do, to do that. Just pray. Um, not only that, he says, lifting up in holy hands. Now, this was pretty interesting. When I looked into that, what I found out was uh, what they're talking about was this was an old Jewish custom. They would wash their hands before prayer to uh, signify the washing way of sins and proposing to live a holy life. That says a lot about the state of heart during prayer. Um, we can't go into prayer, you guys, um, you know, secretly thinking, well, I'm just going to keep on sinning, so God, you kind of have to forgive me. That's not what it works at all. Try to go in there with a, a better heart than that. To, to, you want to wash away the sins. You want to live that holy life. Lastly, he says to pray without wrath and doubting. Again, he speaks to the, to the issue of the heart. Uh, don't go into prayer with hate or wrath toward, towards anybody for any reason. If, if they've um, trespassed against you or someone else, um, we can't have that in our heart, especially when we have our own imperfections, our own filth and junk to work on ourselves. Then we most certainly shouldn't uh, pray while doubting at the same time. If you're going to go to God, man, there shouldn't be any room for doubt in your prayer. Um, I don't have a big speech for that. I really only have one thing to say. All I have to say is uh, about doubt is if our God could simply speak everything into existence, then he surely can hear and answer any prayer our little minds can think of. That's it for prayer. I hope we covered something uh, deeper than, than, than you're used to. You've learned the types. You've learned who, where to pray for. Um, we kind of shifted the, the program today because we wanted to talk about prayer, and then we're going to go into prayer. So I just... I pray that uh, your heart uh, was moved, that uh, you realize prayer's not as complex as we think it is. It, it doesn't have to be some big, fancy, impressive thing. If you've got something little that you want to pray for, pray for it. If you have someone you want to pray for, pray for them. I'm going to close, and then we're going to go into prayer. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you for everything. Thank you for just giving us another day to gather, Father God, to, to dive into your word. Thank you so much for prayer. Father God, you are such such an amazing king to just listen to the tiny little little specks that we are. Thank you so much for hearing us, Father God. Again, thank you for everything that you've done. These things we pray in Jesus' name, amen.